This episode is brought to you by Skyline Smart Energy. It's a new year, which unfortunately means that your electric bill has increased. PG&E is now California's most expensive power provider, and they're already looking to increase rates again this year. If you're looking to save hundreds of dollars each year on your electric bill, then call Skyline Smart Energy today. By going solar with Skyline, you can lock in a consistent energy rate that is lower than what you're paying for now. You'll know exactly how much you'll be paying for for the next 25 years, and you'll no longer have to worry about seasonal rate changes. Plus, right now, Skyline is offering a free year of Brinks Home Security when you get solar installed today. Not only will you save each money next month, but you'll also be able to secure your family and your home. So do yourself a favor and call or text 209-573-0589. Again, that number is 209-573-0589 to get a free energy savings consultation. Start your path to energy independence today. Skyline Smart Energy. Take control over rising energy costs. Hello and welcome to this week's episode of Uncle Dad Talks. I'm Uncle Dad and with me as always is the ever so handsome, the Mardi Gras man himself, Mike Hampton. Mike, what is up? How are you? Hey, hello, hello. Mardi Gras man himself. <laughs> we'll be in, <laughs> I will be in a couple of weeks. I'll say that. Yes. <laughs> Mike, we have a very special show today. We have a very special guest on, and I'll let you introduce some. We haven't done this in a while where Mike, you take the keys. You know, mm-hmm. I, I let you drive the car. You know, this car means a lot to me, so don't crash it. <laughs> well, well, I haven't had any drinks yet, so the odds are I will be okay. <laughs> well, good, good. I like, I like, I like those odds. Uh, uh, Mike, without further ado, I'm going to hand them over, introduce our guests. Our audience can see if we, just so everybody knows, we may release this as a video. And if we do, you will see the lovely man's face of our guest. And you'll also see Uncle Dad and, and Mike's face as well. Uh, so, <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> so without further ado, Mike. Take over and let's begin this journey down Mardi Gras Lane. <laughs> Mardi Gras Lane. Yeah. So I'm so stoked to have our, our guest on. I've been a fan of, of, of New Orleans jazz music, the culture, you know, for our listeners that, that don't know, that's my, my birthplace and have always felt so connected to it. And our guest today is a, is a Grammy-nominated trumpet player. He's a member of the Billboard chart-topping band Galactic, as well as the Grammy Award-winning Rebirth Brass Band, and who I saw recently at the Treme Hideaway with the Big Six Brass Band, Eric Gordon. Eric, I, I don't know how you have time for anything else, but am I leaving anything out? Mardi Gras Indian. Mardi Gras Indian, yes. That's right, yes. And you, and you also... I saw you have a you have a birthday coming up on February fourth, which is also my mama's birthday. So happy happy birthday happy to you, my man! Whoa, happy birthday! Aquarius. Yeah. <laughs> what? Yeah, what a what a time! I mean, you know, it, it's carnival time in 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 Louisiana and New Orleans specifically. It's your birthday, and you know, one thing I wanted to say r- real quick here is I, I saw a video this morning that someone showed me where you got to play Louis Armstrong's trumpet. Last week, yes. I was last week. We went to his house and uh, we went to the archive. We sat to the archive for about two hours of the history of Louis Armstrong. And 
and they were going, he's like, are there any trumpet players in the house? And they were not let me blow on the floor. You know, which is an amazing experience. He simply based off the fact that, you know, you don't really, as a trumpet player, he is like the trumpet player of all trumpet players. You know, he pioneered so much in the music. Like I said, we sat for two hours just learning about the history of Lewis. And as a trumpet player, you never expect to play his horn. Like, that in itself was an experience. You know, some things are, you just don't think are possible. You know, like, to, to play those instruments. His instruments, the ones he actually played on, Hello, Dolly, and What a Wonderful World, it's like, what more of an honor. Yeah, I gotta say that's like that's gotta be for you like a spiritual experience almost, right? Like, you know, like holding that and, and blowing and doing what you do all the time on, you know, one of like the the if not the greatest trumpet player of all time, you know, right? So congratulations on that, man. That's a that that the, I, I imagine the emotions running through you were 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 pretty special yeah, so yeah it was it was it was definitely a moment because uh like i said i would have never even thought that was possible in a lifetime you know to play on that instrument that he actually played on you know i thought it would be behind some glass mural that you can't even touch it and here i am playing on the trumpet i yeah. play in the, the crazy part i played for 10 20 30 000 people in that really? room with just about 20 or 30 people that was the most nervous I have ever been just simply because I was playing on that horn. <laughs> don't, so, me, don't, yeah, don't mess it up. Don't mess it up. <laughs> yeah, <don't>... <laughs> <laughs> uh, right on. Well, well, that's, man, that's, that's, that's awesome. And, and again, congratulations. And, you know, one of the things, you know, you mentioned, you know, the golden Comanches and, and the Mardi Gras Indians. And, and this is something that, you know, I've been to Mardi Gras a few times, more as a as a kid in Lafayette than than in New Orleans as an adult, and it's one of those things that I I know some about, but I feel like I want to know more. Like I think I mentioned to you when we talked before, I've got Cherokee in my heritage, and I'm just always feel called to that part of me, and and it just it's so interesting to me that that this tradition still carries on in the way that it does, and I see you have your suit. And and hopefully we get to put the the video of this out. But but Eric has his suit that he's been working on all year, right behind him, and it's and it's beautiful. And uh, you know, one of the things that you told me that you did recently was you played a tribute in Congo Square. And for those that don't know, you know, Congo Square is a is a is a place in New Orleans where the the Homa Indians used to live, and, and it was like a sacred ground. And correct me if I'm wrong in any of this. It also was like a, a marketplace for enslaved Africans, which, you know, a lot of like the second line and Mardi Gras traditions kind of grew from there. And there's the, there's a statue of the chief Tutti Montana, right? Am I, I'm saying all that. And so you play a tribute there every year or what, what does that place mean to you specifically? Oh, Congo Square, like you said, it, it's the B play. It's in Tribune neighborhood, which is oldest African-American neighborhood in America. And Congo Square is where, like you said, the slaves, during slavery and after slavery, on Sundays we would get to meet. So during the slavery days, we got to practice tradition on ancestral history. So the Mardi Gras Indians would come 
Um, later on, it will be it was the marketplace on Sunday. It was always a tribute of something going on because we had our freedom down in New Orleans on Sunday in New Orleans. Condo Square pretty much is all of the culture, I would say. So no matter what part that you want, direction you want to go and where you want to go, that's going to be your first. That's actually truly Montana, but during the slavery days, we weren't able to, I guess, show our own roots. So we had the mass to pay respect to those who, who, uh, came before us, our ancestors. And with that, Congo Square still has a lot of the history in that, in that location down the water. And like I said, and also the brass band were able to practice on something. Because it was also a marketplace. So Congo Square is pretty much the center of all history of African American coming from the water. Back to the Indians, I want to say, there was a bunch of tribes. Indians ran away. African, I'm, I'm sorry. The slaves, when we ran away, we were running away to reservations. So a lot of different reservations would take in the slaves. You know, whether it's the Cherokee, the Seminole, the Homer, the Natchez, the Tunica, the, uh, it's, it's so many of them. The Seminoles, which I have Seminole in my bloodline. You know, it's a, it's a little bit away, but. <laughs> But yeah, uh, so when they took us in, it would be a safety net for us. So that's where we get all these people like the Cajuns and the Creoles, these mixed bloodlines from those African and Indian roots. And then from there, like I say, we pay homage to those who, who escaped and, you know, found a better life and came back to free others. So even till today, we always sold these hand sewn suits with thousands of thousands of beads and we always try to tell a story. You know, about the history, because it's so much history in the world. Like, you sit down and you just walk through the, even just the French Quarter, like the Lurie, the Lurie House, or I've done a story of the Nat Turner Revolt before. I've done a slave ship where the Indians and the uh, slaves are escaping off the slave ship. I've done a peace pipe of the slaves and the Africans sitting uh, together, you know, showing, sitting around the campfire, smoking a peace pipe. Every year I try to do a suit to tribute those who came before us. Even, uh, even if you release this one, I'll show you on this suit here. I have, in Louis, this is Louisiana, and it's beaded with a, I'll start over here first. We were slaves, uh, in seven, in my camera's backwards, but 1718, we were slaves. And I have the chain across Louisiana, but on the opposite side of the suit, I have the chain broken in 1865, you know, and it says free. You know, that kind of symbolizes freedom. Of course, we all know Slavery was signed to be free a, li- a little before 1865, but true to Texas, you know, Juneteenth, the guys in Texas never received that until 1865. So we always include the last of the people. But in Louisiana, we were free a little before that. And that's just, you know, that's like the short, short now version of the Mighty Grahelians. You know, we could do it <laughs> go on that for hours. Oh, yeah. I, I, I want to come back to it a, a little more too as we, as we go on and, and, you know, and I love that you love the, the history and the, the, you take this and you really own it. Like it's, I could tell we, you know, we can tell it's really special to you, right? Like, and, and I, I take it New Orleans specifically is, is very special to you. Am I right? Like that's home, right? Yeah. And, and so you, you lost, you lost a lot after Katrina, right? Like you lost your equipment and you had to move out of state. Am I right? Right. right. You're right. Yes, and so, uh, 
So, so how important was that for you to, to, to come back to new Orleans and, and like to get back into the music? Uh, it was, it was, that, that was pretty much a turning point in my career in bringing back New Orleans, simply based off of, all right, Katrina hit in August of 2005. Uh, we went to Houston, you know, we stayed there for, actually, I was less than a year. Due to, there was a loophole. Not, not really a good loophole, but our, my family's home, it flooded. We got about five feet or five and a half feet of water, which is my home, in our house in New Orleans East. So that house was totally ruined. But my grandmother had a house over in the Tremaine neighborhood, which is still there on the black with a business restaurant. And that house sat up maybe about five feet off the ground. So we moved back around the summer of 2006. And when we moved back, the music really brought the city back to life because when we moved back, of course, everybody wants to get back home. But if anybody who's here, they can tell New Orleans was a ghost town. From 2006 to 2000, I want to say nine. So people literally came for the music. Like I would be out there in the first quarters with the brass bands and uh, every night, you know, we would stay out all the time tonight. Like some days we would go out in the morning, play till 12. Sometimes it would be 4 p.m. to, you know, 9 p.m. Some days it was so empty. Some days we would get up at two in the morning thing, which I was doing. And everybody would go on Bourbon the Canal or on Freshman. And, you know, we'll play music like 2 a.m. to like 5 a.m. Just because everybody who's in the city was in the city. So, <laughs> you know, so uh, the music kind of really brought the city back to life. You know, you think about the Katrina days. And so many parts didn't have life and power. You know, you saw 2006. It's 2024 and the lower ninth war and some parts of the east are still devastated. So imagine 2006, like, there's parts of the city you didn't even want to go to because, like, the, the night war, you know, because it was dark, you know, you don't know who's who. They still had the military here, you know, trying to, you know, enforce certain things. But the spirit never left New Orleans. And it was something about the music, no matter what. When people seen a horn at that point in time, 2006, 7, 8, it brought life to people. It made everybody happy, you know. And you could feel it because outside of that moment of us playing music, we were pretty much going back to destroyed neighborhood. Because no matter where you stayed, the neighborhood was destroyed. Like I said, it's remaining one at that point in time. And, you know, the lights were raking things, you know, random power outages, you know, a lot of stores are still closed. So, like, the music in that time, it, it definitely played a big part in bringing the city back. Like I said, it was all, and at that point in time, it was only about three brass bands in the city. You know, uh, I want to say the Truth Brass Band, the Free Agent, and uh, To Be Continued Brass. Mm. Yeah, and and you've played with a lot of different, a lot of different of these bands, right? And and what's the biggest challenge when you're trying to play with a, with a group of guys? You know, is it is it you know obviously this is and now I'm talking about like way after Katrina. Is it hard? Is it is there too many distractions in New Orleans to keep a band together? Like when, when you're playing with a bunch of guys, you know, especially when you're out at, you know, the clubs and you're on the streets and, and, you know, I know you guys got to rehearse too. Like what's the biggest yeah. challenge there? The biggest challenge. I won't know. Cause the music brings us together. This was probably the hardest part. Yeah. 
for to play the gig and make the money, you know? <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Fucking every band is always one thing or another. You know, you always have to deal with everyone's circumstances. You know, everybody's different. Everybody's coming to enjoy and read. But this guy smokes a lot of weed through so here. So this guy drinks alcohol and weed. That's his problem. But sometimes problems, oh, this guy has a lot of girlfriends. And his all his girlfriends show up to the gig, and you know it's always there with situations. <laughs> all they come, you know, but the music will always keep us together, you know. Uh, even guys get into physical altercations, you know. But if the music is strong enough, if you are, are as passionate as the next person, it'll bring you together. Like you know, something simple as not playing the right notes sometimes. When you want to have something tight and be genuinely good, you know, you have a certain passion about it, you know, with, you know, and that's everything across the board. Like you want to have the perfection with it, not to be perfect, but to get your best every time. So a lot of press bands, uh, you know, they, they focus on, you know, doing their best. Everything. And like I said, every band is different. You know, some bands have a lot of women come around. Some bands <laughs> do a lot of audience. It's, it's just things to own, you know, as long as yeah. you're passionate about the music, because I can't say any group was more passionate than the other. It's just the individuals change. You know, it's like, what clothes are you going to wear today? You might hang out with a certain set of friends because they wear joggers or this set of friends who wear suits all the time. You know, it's just about what you like and what you like. So, mm-hmm. yeah, well, well, speaking of bands, let's talk about Galactic. You know, how does that happen? Do they do they call you? Do you audition? Like, what? How do you get with with a band like that? Manifestation. <laughs> yeah. Hey, I'm I'm into it. I'm into that. <laughs> yes, let's hear it. Yeah, I heard about the I want to say maybe around 2007. From that point, I was always interested in black. So, years and years down the road, 2019, 2019, I want to say. Shamar Allen, which is the trumpet player for Galactic, you know, real popular figure who all this trumpet playing, a good friend of mine, you know, and calls me up, said, I have a gig for you. And then, cause he was getting ready to go solo and at that point in time, I was the best fit for the band. Got on, got into the band, you know, started learning music and realized it was a tight shift. So I had to really learn the music. <laughs> no, like, it was a but the guys were very embracing. They always embraced me, even to this day. You know, I still get nervous. For the first couple of years, I would get nervous all sorts of things. I never was in a touring band. I always, you know, did a tour maybe a week or so, two weeks. But to be in a touring band was, is a different thing, you know, to have everything tight. And at that point in time, the guy had just got to patina. So that whole Galactic experience has been amazing. I was active out with the Galactic when I played on Louis Armstrong's trumpet. And those guys always embraced me and pushed me to be better. So the whole Galactic thing is kind of like one of the best experiences with a band that I've, I've ever dealt with. Like I said, outside of, you know, just being good guys, I was doing great business. You know, so I, I learned a lot from You know, just learning how to be better and doing things that make more sense. Building my own brand because up until I got with Galactic, I was more just a, a good or great brass band musician, but they kind of taught me, you know, what's going to make you different. And the, the great drummer Stan Moore sat me down. He was like, okay. And he named a couple of trumpet players. They were like iconic. And he said something. 
but these guys are playing here. What's going to make you different from those guys to, to make you, to make your brand better? And it's just simple talk like that to make you open your eyes. And all of the guys always embrace me and always try to push me to what's going to be the Eric Gordon effect? What's going, what is Eric Gordon going to bring? So that translates across everything I do, whether it's Indians to Indian students on the plan. Because like my first skiing experience, you don't have snow in the water was with the guys. They were like, Hey, you should go skiing. And I'm like, Oh, you're like, try it. And I'm like, I'll try it. And it happens. <laughs> so yeah, just like dealing with the guys in the life is always push for something different, a push for something new, push, push for something better. Like even them with going into Tipitina, they would have never thought they was going to be the guys to buy Tipitina. And when it happened, it was great. But then the pandemic happened. So I watched those guys, you know, brainstorm and they brought me to brainstorm and, and just work on music, on ideas, different things to get through, you know, because the pandemic was rough. They had just purchased a club that was in the negative. Mm. They had to close it down for a year. So just learning how to work through your problems, the guys would be like, you know, they're, they're amazing. They, the great guys. And anytime you're around, these guys embrace you like family. Yeah. You know, real quick, just to, just to give you a, the second on that, man, like, even if it's not something that you may continue to do, like you may not go skiing ever again, or you might, but just trying those new things, I think help your brain expand to trying new things within the stuff that you already do, right? Like it just helps wire your brain in that way to think, which allows for, for you to grow as a musician, especially within a band. And also, can we please give a shout out to Shamar Allen for hit the Sean Payton and and why we never hear that hit the Sean Payton is my favorite Saints jam ever. Why do you complain? Hit the Sean Payton. <laughs> yeah. Anyways, um, always go behind the trends though. They try to play it after Sean Payton. Like Shamar played this song for years for you guys. <laughs> Yeah, no kidding, man. Well, I said, well, yeah. So, like, yeah, Galactic bought uh, tips in in 2018, like you said, and I've seen you guys play a couple times there, like a a New Year's Eve show, and they're amazing there. The shows in that place are amazing. I've seen you guys in at the Warfield and SF. I've seen you play in uh, in Berkeley at the Greek. What are you? What are yeah. like your? What are your top three favorite venues that you've played in? Ooh. Well, what are top what are three that come to mind when I say that <laughs> I would say the Fillmore in DC I mean the Fillmore in, uh, in San Fran uh, 9.30 club in DC oh. and give it to Tip of Penis <laughs> you gotta give to Tip yeah Tip has got an amazing power I will say my favorite goal would have to be the 9.30 club in DC 930 club. Yeah, it's an illusion. I love it. It's an illusion. So, with the 930 club, they have a moving stage. So, if it's a sold out crowd, they'll push the stage all the way back. But, if it's the crowd is light or it's just for, it's for anybody, if the crowd is kind of like, they'll move the stage up and need be according to ticket sales. So, it's always a packed house. Oh, that's great. That's uh, clever. Yeah. <laughs> I think more and more venues should adopt that, that system because, you know, I mean, as a musician, like 
you don't always, it's not your responsibility to get people in there. And, you know, if you're in a, in a place and it's half empty, like you still got to do what you got to do, but it's a lot easier mm-hmm. to jam when everybody's packed together. And close. yeah, yeah. You can definitely feel <clears throat> the vibe. The more people that close, feel the vibe. It, you know, I love that, you know, because we always do two nights that it's over there and it's like, just something changing here. And you can kind of, because it's a huge building. So something like it's oh yes, it's maybe I wanna say two to three times the size of Tepatina. So it's a huge building, but it's it's amazing. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I was I was reading some of the history of Tipatinas and how they uh upstairs used to be apartments and they would there was a radio station that WWZ was up there and WWE. they would they would just put a microphone through a hole in the in the floor and record live broadcast of the shows. <laughs> while while uh, the shows were going on downstairs, it's such a I, I love that place. And, and speaking of tips on Mardi Gras Day, which which this year is on February thirteenth, yep. you'll be starting off your day real early, coming out of tips to do as a member of you know as with the Golden Comanches and 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 starting that. So so take take us through that that. The, the hours before and that time when you come out and, and start, like, how does that all work? I'll say this for the past few years, those two days have been the longest two days of my life. <laughs> Since that was the last girl, I didn't manage 2019, the game, the whole track set out, but in 2020 on to last year, as a, as a Mighty Gras Indian, your suits never finish until you absolutely have to go out the door. So, that last 48 hours, you just sewing and hooking up and, and making adjustments and making sure your suit doesn't fall apart. Well, the last few years, Galactic does a, a Lundy Gras show. So literally, I will bring my suit to Tipatina at 11.45, get on stage from 12 a.m. to 6 a.m., literally get off stage and put my suit on and walk the rest of Mighty Gras Day. So I literally didn't go to sleep for that whole fucking hour. How do you do? How yeah, does so a guy do that? I would be work, 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 working on my suit all day, trying to get it done, trying to get it done. Literally go to Tipitina, jump around on stage, do a great show, twelve to about six, and you know get off stage tired, you know. But it's mighty grind. And once that sun hits, it's time to go out the door. So we always are out the door, you know, roughly about seven, eight. Like I said, we suit up around six. Seven, eight o'clock, we're all in the street. Last year started a new thing where my big chief Juan Pardo does the, the early morning show. So now he's doing five to I think six or six thirty. So uh this year's gonna be the first he's gonna be new. We're gonna actually have the whole tribe outside in front, ready waiting on him. So when he finishes his set in his last year's suit, he's gonna change and put the new suit on. And come outside and sing in his brand new suit. So we'll be wow. outside waiting on him to get ready. And the whole thing's going mighty right you know? He's gonna, he's gonna sing, he's gonna sing in the old suit. Just to clarify, he's gonna sing in the old suit inside and then come out mm-hmm. in the new suit outside. Yeah. Yeah. And then so do he, because he, as an Indian, as a chief, he has to bless all of the suits. So. Until he sings Indian Red, which is our traditional Indian song, you don't really put the new suit on. Not not the not the big chief at least. 
So, so he's gonna wait and sing this whole set in his old suit because the old suit is elaborate and beautiful. And as a photo master, you have to build a better suit every year. So imagine you watching him in his amazing big suit on London ground, really mighty ground, morning from five to six a.m. And then he gets off stage and now it's time to see the new suit. So we'll be outside as a spy boy. And while man, all of us can be outside early. We just don't go anywhere until our chief tells us. So we'll be sitting there waiting on the chief to get ready. And when the chief says things Indian red, which is our traditional prayer, it's showtime. And mm. in that neighborhood, we are going to see, we come out of Tipitina, from Tipitina, we're going to go, there's the wild Capitulas Indian tribe, there's, you know, Creole Wild West, the Golden Blade, you know, the beautiful Creole Apache, we're going to start meeting these tribes, but, we have to sing Indian Red, get the blessings of the Big Chief on Mighty Broad Day. Wow. And that's Big and, and, of the Golden Comanche. Right. And and so when you guys... For, okay, so I have a couple questions. So what are you guys doing while you're waiting outside? Are you sitting? Are you standing? Are you drinking coffee? Are you just, <laughs> you know, BSing with each other? Or like, what are you guys doing out there? It, it's almost... It's actually, it's very tribal and tri- it's like we're conjuring up the spirits at that point in time because we waited, we, these suits take a year to make and we waited all year to put these suits on, like all these beads and clones. So as we're waiting, we're conjuring up spirits. We're singing, chanting, oh, night early in the morning, or oh, the shadow of water, oh, mama, and we're, my mama, well, and this whole time we, we just conjuring up these spirits and that's pretty much what we're doing, you know, uh, that whole time. Cause Mardi Gras did is, it, it's, I don't know how to explain it. It's by us masking, we are not ourselves. Like, I'm not the trumpet player on Mardi Gras. I'm just like, uh, I am a spirit. So mm. I'm paying respect to those spirits. So you see me, but I'm a different person. So that, like right. I said, that entire time on Mardi Gras, we're masking, we're, we're conjuring up these spirits of, of these gods and, and, and ancestors, like the god Shango of, of, of Thunder and Ocean and, and all of these Greek gods. And, you know, we kind of African Orishas. So that whole time we're outside, it's us, but it's not us. We have yeah. the drums going, the tambourines going, we're standing, we're screaming. You know, and whatever your spirit feels, we're running up and down the street. So it's, it's definitely something to experience. It's not, it's hard to explain, but mm. it's something that if you see it, you will understand it. Like well, I said, it's almost conjuring a spirit almost, you know, in well, a yeah, positive way. You, you got, you know, you got your suit on. I mean, this is, this is part of like your lineage and you sort of become that. Like you, you allow yourself to be primal in that, right? And, yeah. and it, and it, and it, and it feels good. I'm sure it feels good to just to just let it be that. And it, in a in a place where that is ex, not just accepted, but it's almost it's expected, right? Yeah. And 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 that's amazing that you get to be a part of that. And so when you guys when you do your suit, like, do you think of the theme for your suit each year, or is it like a tribal? Like, you guys come up with a theme, and then you can have your own interpretation of it for each individual suit. No, it's uh, it's it's solely based on you. It's solely mm. based on you. You kind of, as long as you stick to like the, the the roots of of 
the history, you can pretty much sew whatever kind of suit you want. You know, and most guys sew suits based on history, which is always a good thing. Like my big chief wine did a 300 year suit, the tricentennial suit a few years ago for New Orleans. You know, it's always about telling the history of, of the past. You know, so there'll always be a new suit to make. It's not like you're going to run out of ideas, which is a pet peeve of mine with dealing with Indians sometimes. They think it's all Indians and cowboys, but there's <laughs> so much history that you can sew on a suit, you know, through the, through the, you can do a civil rights suit because it's still, as long as you're telling history, it, it, it you know, it, it, it's limited. I've done a, Matt Turner, I've done, I'm only about four suits in, but I have a mm. lot more. Mm hmm. And what place has, there, there's, and there's just, I mean, there's so much history in New Orleans just right there. I mean, you know, like from the, from the, from, from when the French were there and from when the Spaniards were there and then from, you know, the, when the, the graves that are there, you know, there's just so much mm. crazy history and, and a lot of it's not like something that you can just go read somewhere. It's, it's like, the history is almost with the people at this point. So you, you mentioned something like kind of your role is is a spy boy. And I, and I've seen the photos of you where you have a sign and it literally says spy boy. What is, what is spy boy? Okay. We all have our own positions in the track. Me, I pretty much the most important piece outside of the big chief in the track. The big chief calls all of the shots. But the spy boy is the one who puts his life on the line. So he has, has to have as much discernment as a chief. Cause Mask and Mighty Rock Indians isn't just a show of suit. There are altercations. There are situations that get rough. And we've, we've tried to change Mighty Rock Indians with that narrative, but Mighty Rock Indians still do fight. So as a spy boy, I have to, when I'm meeting a tribe, I have to be able to say, first of all, dance and understand where they're coming from, dance and, you know, greet them with respect, which is a big thing in my book. There's tribes that are disrespectful and disrespect isn't tolerated very well by everybody. As a spy board, I am responsible for, for protecting my whole tribe. There's other positions like the wild man, which he's responsible for, for protecting the chief, the big chief. I'm responsible for everybody because if I get into an altercation and I start fighting, now everybody it's possible everybody will start fighting. You know, it's possible that everything can go crazy because I personally believe, even though we're still masking and showing respect, there are fights, there are knives, there are guns at some time. So I have to be the one as smart as the big sheep to say, you know what? This guy's drunk. He's doing it for the wrong reason, you know, because some people put on suits and it's not for, you know, the purpose of paying homage and respect to the ancestors. So mm. I have to be the one to say, you know what? That was, I don't want to meet this guy because this guy is drunk. He's high and he's trying to push me or push to go whatever to say, all right, you know what? We're not going to meet. Have a great day. And we have something called two way popularity, which is it's a cold two way is. We're going to go around you. We're not going to meet you two-way popularly, which is a, you know, two-way popularly. And our two-way just died. And that, you know, that's how I have to have the discernment of a chief. Everybody doesn't have that. But you, as a spy boy, I have to have that. And I said, I put my life on it because 
I'm first up because when meeting tribes, if I told you back in the day, most tribes fought, but you have to be the guy to say, you know what? You're not going to fight. You're not going to let it get out, get out of control because even in the event of it's two respectable tribes, we still both built these beautifully created suits, which no two suits are alike. And sometimes it can become an ego battle or, you know, my suit's better than your suit. And then that can get out of hand too. So the spiderball has to be the one with the discernment of, you know what? Your suit's pretty, but like I always think, I'm the best in the city. <laughs> yeah. Uh. And uh, we can shake hands and, you know, I have to be able to regulate everything. Like I said, the big chief, he's in the, kind of in the back with the chief scouts and sort of children, which I'm bringing two of my children this year as chief scouts. But like I said, the big chief is the, is the overall seer. And as fireball, like I said, I'm the, oh, I protect everybody. I make sure everything goes good. I'm the first out the door. You know, I have to be friendly because I have to see all the Indians. And like you say, with, with tribal things, you never know what's going to happen. Yeah. The next position behind me is the flag board, which is the first of the prettiest in the tribe. The flag board holds the flag of our tribe and he shows off how beautiful he is in the tribe. So we got the flag boys meet, and then it will be the wild men. The wild men, they work hand in hand with the spy boys. Those are my two favorite positions of all time because they have to show assertiveness and they have, have to have a protective nature for the tribe. The wild man's job is to control everything going within the tribe. I start the meet off, and once I say it's good for the flag and all the rest of the guys to meet, then it's up to the wild man to make sure everything doesn't get out of control. And a wild man's number one job is to protect the chief. The wild man is the fearless one. Like, don't do anything crazy. It's like going after the king and queen of England or something. You know, it's like that level of respect. You have to have someone who is willing to walk the, go the mile for you. So wild men are, are, are pretty much one of my favorite positions between the wild and a spy boy. I, I have to say this. Hearing you just explain all this, because I'm basically the audience right now, and I have to tell you, man, it I never thought it ran so deep like that. Like you're just opening my mind in ways I've never thought about. So thank you for that. Yeah. And it and if you're a wild man, you can't be you can't be messed up and well you I guess you could be, but you know, you really? also can't be you also gotta like probably be in shape in case stuff goes down. You gotta you know how Hold it down well, for, for like the chief, this. right? Look at it like this. The Secret Service or the President. You have to right. really be ready for anything at any yeah. moment and put your life on the line because the wild man, you know, their suits are getting more elaborate as we speak, but traditionally the wild man, he kind of had a, a suit to let you know, I don't care to mess this suit up. Uh, you know? <laughs> like, yeah. I don't care. We can go the distance. And uh, like I said, all of these positions all have real significant roles. You know, chief scouts are the children, and you have the queens, which are, are more about the beauty. But when you get to, you'll see us from Mighty Ground. Like I said, we come out early that morning, but the spy boys are always first. You have to have discernment at the spy boy, make sure everything's good. Flag boys are beautiful. They have a gang flag, which some, all, some tribes have, which is the leader of the flag boys, which is the gang flag, which is the prettiest. Then you have the chiefs, queens and the chiefs, you know, and the chiefs, uh, and we're so far apart because we shoot, we have signals. So I might be four or five blocks from my chief, 
and I don't see the signal like, oh, and let him know from five blocks away, sometimes, you know, eight blocks away, there's a tribe coming. And as that tribe approaches, the chief might sit back for eight to ten blocks, you know, and as me up there, I'm the lonely one. I'm by myself, so. <laughs> <laughs> You're the yeah, canary in the, in the tunnel. You discernment now. Just imagine you up there by yourself and something goes wrong. At least everybody else is safe. <laughs> mm. So ultimately, I can put my, you know, my life, uh, my, not so much my life. We're not killing each other, but you know, and they're all but some, case, nobody, I'm in the front and I have to, I always say lead with respect. Mm. A lot of guys out there are being beautiful. And I'm glad we're kind of getting over the curve of disrespecting each other. And I'm trying to help push that narrative. You know, I think respect goes a long way with any culture, you know, and I, you know, just mean as a spy boy, just imagine if you go into a situation where you're by yourself and there's a whole group of people. I don't want to go in there with this monkey attitude with, F y'all, I'm the best and I'm the prettiest and I'm this and all this arrogance. So as a spy boy, you know, you have to be smart about it. For sure. So it's a great position to run. Now, what about, okay, let me, this is, I'm curious. So people know, so like people know you, they know you do this. It, you know, you guys are saying, Hey, we're going to be here. So people can come and, and watch and, and watch you guys do your thing. Like, what if someone knows you as Eric and they're like, Eric, yo, I brought you a bottle of water or yo, those guys are messing with you. I'm going to step in and help you out. But they're not part of the tribe. Is that, is there like an invisible wall there? Or like, is, is there uh, interaction or what? Uh, I see everybody who's talking to me, but yes, I'm only for people who mask. If you have a suit on, whatever happens, happens. If you don't have a suit on, you're not allowed to put yourself in it. Okay. That's kind of where, honestly, a lot of things go wrong in it. And we call those guys second liners. Like, you know, second line. The second liners at, a, at an Indian meet, they have to be in check by the tribe. You know, because you don't want a guy who's... Everybody gets excited. Everybody gets excited. If I've been walking with this tribe, you know, and it could be a girlfriend, it could be a wife, a cousin, a family member, you know, or just friend. You have to be like, no, this is a this is for the people that mask because we do this for you guys, we do this for the neighborhood and everybody else. But let's keep it with the guys who are masking because there are rules of engagement. You know, there's uh there's ways to be the guy. Like not physically, but it's almost like a sport also. So it's not it's not just tribal that we meeting. There's dancing to be, when I first meet somebody, I'll start dancing for two, three blocks away. And then we get up close and close and personal. We'll do our dance and it's a, a competition of the beauty of the suit. So we're swaying back and forward and you see my plumes going back and forward. Um, and it, it's, a, it's all a, like a peacock almost. Mm-hmm. You're showing all your beauty and your dominance respectfully. I'm the most beautiful of them all. And, and with that, you still have to show this, this assertiveness. And in the meat. Right. Respectfully peacocking. This is what it is, yeah. right? Yeah. <laughs> right. Man, New Orleans is so great because like what other city in this in the US does anything close to that? Like there's just nowhere. Like there's just, you know, there's so many festivals and 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 shows and music and character and one season just rolls into the next with the next thing, but there's nothing like this. Anywhere, you know, and, and that's part of what makes New Orleans so great. 
and I could talk to you for forever about the, about this, but I, I do want to get to you and, and, and rebirth. We talked to Vincent Broussard, the saxophonist on our last trip, our last show. How do you get a spot with rebirth? Years and years, you know, just playing the horn, uh, rebirth is the iconic brass band of New Orleans. They don't admit it, but growing up in New Orleans, everybody loved rebirth. They, you know, they love Dirty Dozen. They grew up under Dirty Dozen, but a certain age bracket is really only rebirth. Everybody has a rebirth CD. Like that was pretty much the first horn CD I had of just live instrumental horn of New Orleans brass. And I had the original Do What You Want album. With do what you want to leave that pipe alone, Mexican special. What else? Song? He had a couple of songs on there. And, uh, just having that CD was like an opening to a rebirth. And I was a kid. This is before I even played an instrument, before I thought about doing brass band. So over the years, rebirth has dropped 17 albums. Growing up, yeah. they've always been the staple of brass band in, in the community. So. I just kind of worked my way up from like the little bands, like the Shrewd Brass Band, and I got to the New Birth, which is like cousins of them, and I went to the Stooges Brass Band, which is an amazing journey. The Stooges Brass Band taught me how to be a lead trumpet. They sat back and was like, All right, you're young, but you are the lead. So at what, 19 years old, I was leading the Stooges, and that was pretty much my first big band. From the Stooges, I got with TBC, and we developed some music from there, the Truth, and then Big Six. As I was uh, with Big Six, Cliff, the tuba player, and the leader of the Big Six, started playing with Rebirth after Phil had his stroke, I think his second stroke. And Phil was like, you know, let's call Spud. Let's call Cliff. And Spud, he, he made it happen, you know. And from then, one of my good, good, long-time friends, the trumpet player of Rebirth, Mr. Chad Honoree, Chad Quentin, as he goes by stage name, he went solo. Uh, actually, last year on January 1st, he went solo and uh, the guys, they called me up. And like I said, Chad is a good friend of mine. Me and Chad have been a long time rivals. So we talked about a lot of stuff, like from middle school, like 12 years old, that's when I met Chad. And, and Chad is a great trumpet player. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't really tell him in person. And I won't tell him in person. I'm still with that. Went to school with like trombone shorty, Chris Royal. Like he went to school with like in elementary. Like when I met him in middle school, he was already so talented. Like I said, it, just think about how talented like trombone shorty and like a lot of these cats are. And so I took to me with Chad and like he, he's a great guy, great, great trumpet player. And uh, like I said, he left Rebirth last year and uh, he was looking around and they gave me a call. And I'm like, okay, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I, yeah, it, as far as music goes, I'm pretty much living the dream. Like, Galactic is the funk band I've always wanted to be with. And Rebirth is the brand that I've always wanted to be with. And it's like, mind blown. <laughs> yeah, it's, a, you, it's, yeah. it's a journey. It's, a, it's an unbelievable experience because literally these are the best two bands out of New Orleans that I can think of because Everybody comes from them. If you're on the funk side of, of the music, the revivalist, trombone short, it's so many, it's a, it's a long list of guys. My name is John Michael, Jayden Cosmic, all these guys come from the like, and then Susan's Heidi, Reba, Susan's Heidi, Little Rascals, Big Six, all of these guys come from under Reba. 
So to be playing with both of these bands is, is definitely an experience. And, and I love it. I love it, you know. Not to yeah. get too long-winded on it, but it's, I'm, it's the dream for me because, yeah, it's, it's, it's life. So I try to put my best foot forward with playing every time I play. You know, I always yeah. feel like I could be better because these are the legendary bands in the city. I mean, yeah, you, you, you've got it covered and, and, you know, I, I feel like you can probably feel that you went into all of this with the right intention, with, with respect. You, you really care about what you do. You're also really good at what you do, but even just the way that you talk about, you know, the, the Mardi Gras, the Indians and, and how, how much space you give of your life for that. I feel like you've given the same for your music and that's why these doors have opened up for you and you're a nice genuine person and you know y- you deserve everything that you have and i hope you feel that too because you know i i've i respect you just from watching you play from seeing the videos of you doing doing the the Mardi Gras Indians and and just how much you're willing to share because you know i don't live in louisiana i don't live in new orleans anymore but you're willing to share your story with everyone. And I think it inspires other people to feel okay to do that, that, and, and, and to have that same outlook on life, you know, and, and, and you're doing you're if, if there's a, if there is a way to win at life, Eric, you're winning at life. <laughs> right? <laughs> right. It's been a long yeah. road. <laughs> and and what, real, now what, what, what's, yeah. What's the, what's the, What's the big difference? Like, what's the main difference of playing? Because w- with Rebirth or with Big Six, which is like so swingy and like, if so, I don't know. There's probably another word that I'm blanking on. And with 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 Galactic, it's a little more controlled. Like, is that the biggest difference of playing with those two two bands? Uh, essentially, outside of the song selection, no. It's, to me personally, it's not really a big difference because. I didn't want to bring my own flavor regardless. That's what they all like. And it's like cooking with the, with the rice. You know, sometimes you have jambalaya, sometimes you have red beans, sometimes you have dirty rice, the creole, creole, a lot of stuff. It's, it's, it's being able to make the dish better. You know, in, in, in short, you know, I, I kind of try to bring my own flavor every time. You know, I'm still the same individual. So my style is my style of playing. And I'm like, pretty much like that. They lose all strong new order style of trumpet playing, but essentially I try to just bring it every time, you know. It's not so much about the music, it's just about the feeling. Because there's jazz cats that'll play a thousand notes and nobody felt it. But sometimes you'll catch a solo of me playing one note and I'm going, but that's bop, 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 you know, and people will feel that and they'll be like, Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. So essentially, it's, it's more about a feeling. I try to bring that that feeling, that that love. Even in all all my shows, you'll see me having a good time. I can, you know, it's a blessing in itself to to be able to perform on stage. You know, no, oh, yeah, good health and good spirit. So yeah, it's, it's a feeling, definitely a feeling. Not not to try to separate the two. It's always a good vibe between. No matter because I do gospel sometimes, and it's it's all about the what what you're doing. Are you smiling? Are you happy while doing it? Because if you're not happy while doing it, just don't do it. <laughs> yeah, and people are going to see that too. It's going to come off as that, and you know, and that's that's another thing about New Orleans that's so great is 
is is the is the feel right of like watching yeah. that music you know like i watch i watch other jazz bands even when they're covering rebirth you know from chicago or from north carolina where i'm at right now and like there's just the different feel when you're what when you're seeing live new orleans jazz and uncle dad i mean i know you can agree because uncle jazz uncle jazz <laughs> uncle, dad's, uncle dad's seen you guys play too and i and i've seen you know i've seen him light up watching you guys play Oh, it's incredible. It's one of the greatest experiences ever. I think like, you know, I've been to like Jazz Fest in the past and whenever I see a, a, a NOLA act in town, I'm in the Bay Area. And so whenever I see a, a NOLA act, I have to be there because we just don't get that. You know what I mean? It's such a unique, beautiful experience. Like I'm, a you know, like Soul Rebels I love. And so when Soul Rebels are out here, I have to see them, you know, it's just something, if you could bottle that energy and hand that out, so I think the world would be a better place. Let me tell you. It would be a better place. Mm-hmm. So that means you're coming out to the show at the Fillmore. I hope you're in here. Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah, I'll, yeah. you know what? I will go. I am going to go. Hell yeah. I'll be waiting for you. <laughs> I'll be there. I'll be there. Go. On the Just look for the short little fat Mexican kid. <laughs> <laughs> I think you were making him hungry with all your, your rice dish analogies, too, right? <laughs> Oh, no, I love me some uh, jambalaya. Let me tell you. <laughs> but, huh. All right, Eric, real quick. I'm going to knock, I'm going to shoot these at you real quick before we go. And I just want, you know, quick answer. Favorite music venue to play at other than Tipitina's in New Orleans? Hmm. Oh, uh, Blue Nile. Blue, Blue Nile. Blue Nile's a great one. Blue Nile's a great place. Yeah. I love the Nathan. Oh, yeah. Blue Nile is my favorite. Oh. Yeah, Blue Nile is amazing. Okay, what's your, what's just your favorite bar in the world? Little Hanks. <laughs> Hanks. What's that? Little, uh, Hanks. Hanks is cool. Okay. Hanks also may have a bowl. Okay. Favorite place to get a meal? Ooh. These are the Ooh, tough questions. <laughs> These are tough. Oh, boy. Oh. I like Little Dizzy. Little Dizzy was amazing. Um, but a lot of the smaller stores, like the Manchus, the VNTs, you know, those spots are amazing. And uh, Praline is a good spot, too. Praline. Praline. Okay. All right. What if you just wanted to go out and go dancing? Like, you're not playing... You just want to be a guy enjoying the music, or can you do that? Like, are you able to go watch a show and just and, and enjoy the show and not feel like you got to get up there and start playing? Yeah, I would do Blue Now for that. I yeah, would do Blue Now, uh, and a lot of hole in the wall. We had Celebration Hall, which is is a hall, not really a ballroom, but Celebration Hall always has, like, you know, and the jump off. Currently, the jump off is like the new hot spot to catch a band, and you know, just go find. Jerome Paul. Okay. All right. Last one. Where would you go watch a Saints game? Kermit's. Oh, Kermit, yeah. Kermit Russell's mother in law. Okay. And Kermit always has a vibe. You know, Kermit has the bands also on Sunday. Uh, Hamlet's is like, it's Ernie Cato's, Kermit Russell's mother in law. It's such a vibe. It's so nostalgic. It has this 70s, 80s vibe with the murals and the paintings. And, and it's just old school. You know, sometimes you want to chill. Well, the people are good. Well, somebody knows your name. <laughs> okay. All right. Yeah, yeah. I, I've, I've, it's, it's, that place is always on my list to go, and I just I just never end up making it there because there's a million other things 
in the way, right? But Kermit owns the place. He had, he he's always there, like, and that that's the thing about Kermit. He's such a great spirit. If you walk in Kermit's mother allowed, he's like he's liable to be sitting at the bar, drinking a beer, drinking a, a but like when his truck is hanging right behind him. Mm. And it, sometimes the band will play, he'll pull out, just pick up a trumpet and start playing. Like, he genuinely loves that place and that's the energy that you get. So you'll see Jelly Ali singing at that sometimes. You'll run across like a bunch of the artists just in there because it's such a chill, really vibe. Second line shorty. It's, it's a lot of people just going there just to hang, you know? Something yeah. you go, it's about who you are. Hey, but in time, it's just kind of like everybody's just friends, you know? Yeah. Oh, I love that. I love that. Well, Eric, thank you so much. Everyone, Mardi Gras at Tipitina's. I know you guys are playing there Saturday the 10th. And also, is it Mardi Gras night? Well, we're Edmonton. What's that? Say that again. Uh, February 3rd and the 10th, we're playing there. 3rd and the 10th. And And then you will also be Mardi Gras morning. As a golden Comanche, as the spy boy. Golden Comanche. Right? Spy boy. There you go. Crown on my hand, on you. Hey. Look spy at boy. that. Spy boy. And we'll, we're gonna put we're gonna put this out on our uh, on our Instagram, uh, uh, you know, picture so everyone can see. And uh, you know, if the, even if this video does does come out, so people can see what what you put together, man. It's it's beautiful. Yeah. It's very beautiful for sure. Uh, I do have one last question, Mike. I got to ask Bascom. Uh, it is very important because when this comes out, it'll be right around that time. Here we go. Who is going to win the Super Bowl? There's one right oh, answer. answer. <laughs> There's one right answer. I'm not getting it. Uh, no, you're not going to give me I gotta say who that. I always got to say who that. Hey, uh, see? Hey, uh, hey. He doesn't care who's going to win the Super Bowl. It's Mardi Gras time. It's Mardi Gras. It's Mardi Gras. It's carnival. That's uh, right. <laughs> Audience, I tried. Uh, who that? Uh, Eric, where, where can uh, where can our listeners find you? If if uh, on social media or on website or how do they find out where you're going to be? Well, I go by I am Eric Gordon. Simple enough. I just spell straight. I am Eric Gordon. Uh, all social platforms, you know, Facebook, Instagram, whatever. Search if you want to search some music. I have some songs on the I am Eric Gordon. I just put out a new one uh, last week called Province Prince for the Zulu, which you know the Zulu parade is coming up on Mighty Right Day. So the Province Prince, they are a crew in the Zulu. Uh, we dropped one for them. I have a song called Down in New Orleans, which is my, one of my favorite songs. Definitely should just check it out. I am Eric Gordon. Down in New Orleans is featuring. New Orleans and Angelica Jelly Joseph. But I am Eric Gordon across the music platforms, across everything. You know, and all there you'll be able to be birthdays and galactics also. Right on. I am I am I am Eric Gordon. And and <laughs> Eric, I am Mike Hampton and this is Uncle Dad and thank you so much for coming on here and, and, and sharing all that you share with us, man. It's really special and I can't wait to see you down there. Yeah, it's gonna be a special day. I'll see y'all there with your tambourine. Everybody come and bring your tambourines. <laughs> I'll get a tambourine. <laughs> Uncle Dad, you need a tambourine. You need a tambourine. I'll get you a tambourine. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> right on. Okay, uh, and and I guess that's going to be it for for uh, for now, right, Uncle Dad? 
Uh, that is, but Mike, it's you're running the show, so you got to say the tra- the trademark line before we wrap up. Oh, that's right. Oh, yeah, and Eric, and for everyone listening, we're not uncles, we're not dads, we're just someone you can talk to, and we will see you all next week. Well done, Mike. Yeah. <laughs> all right.